Welcome to the Lion's Tribe. I am Pastor Jimmy Udukoya. I pray this episode blesses you and it reminds you to become the lion that God has called you to be. Be blessed. The Scarlet Thread Part 2, and if you missed Part 1, I strongly suggest that you listen to that because we built the foundation for where we will be going today. We are in the book of Joshua, the second chapter. And we had stopped at Joshua 2 verse 18. And this is when a bit of context, the spies have come into the land to spy out Jericho. They are at the house of Rahab the prostitute. And they are hiding because the king of Jericho is aware that they are spies in the land. And she has hid them on top of the roof. And now she has come to speak to them. Um, we pulled out many things from the book of Joshua. Uh, last week and so we're going to pick it up from verse 18 and it says she was having a conversation with them and she had asked them to save to save um, her lives and not just her lives but the life of her family verse 18 says this this is the man responding to her behold when we come into the land that shall bind this land of scarlet thread somebody say scarlet thread in the window which thou didst let us down by, and thou shalt bring thy father, thy mother, and thy brethren, and all thy father's household home unto thee. And it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be on his head, and we will be guiltless. And whosoever shall be with thee in the house, his blood shall be on our heads. If any hand be upon him. And I began to talk about the scarlet thread. And I told you last Sunday, we mentioned that the scarlet thread represents the redemptive power of the blood of Jesus over sin and death. And I also said that the beautiful thing about this scarlet thread is that it is woven all through the tapestry of the Bible from the book of Genesis in the beginning to the book of Revelation in the end. Everything screams and announces and points to the death, the crucifixion, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Everything. Some people don't believe that the Old Testament is relevant today. And I, I made a statement last week and I said the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. So let's start at the beginning. Let's go into the book of Genesis in the third chapter. And what I'm going to be doing today, as my t- if my time will allow me, hopefully there won't be a part three. I think there's a part three. Let's see what God has us do. Amen. We'll just go with it. We're going to go to the book of Genesis in chapter 3. And this is where we know that Adam and Eve are in the garden. And God had given them certain instructions. We're going to start in verse um, 16. But before we get there, because that's the sad part of the story, let me set the stage. God had created this beautiful garden. And the Bible says he looked at everything he had created and he said it was good. It was good. He looked around. He said, it's not good that man be alone. So he created for him a help meet. Just a quick side note, by the way, the only two times you see the word helper in the Bible when it refers to man is one with God and two with the woman. The word helper in the Bible, the same word paracletos for the Holy Spirit and for the woman. So Men, God created women to be our 
help, help. So, so let me, no, let me not digress. Let me just drop this real quick. He created women to be our hell. Women, you're created to be our hell. Okay, so women were created to be helpers and not dependents. I haven't started preaching yet, oh. Pastor Jay, this table that you are shaking, you have come again. The Bible says it's not good for man to be alone, so I'll create him a hell. So, woman, you're, 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 you were created to be a helper. In other words, your job, see, woman, man, womb, man, man with a womb. You are an incubator. So, whatever a man gives you, you make better. If he gives you one, you give him hundred. So, men, if you want love, if you give her love, she will give you, she will love you. If you give her pain, if you give her hell, she will take it, multiply it, and they said, hell has no fury than a woman. All right, um, I digress. People, behave yourself. Helper, right? He said, I will give him a helper, you know. And he puts man in the garden to tend and keep. In other words, before you go looking for a woman, man, you must be doing some... God created garden, put the man inside, then said tend and... So the man was walking before God brought the woman. You cannot bring a woman from her father's house and make her suffer. That's wickedness. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you will not build together. No one is saying that you can. No, 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 no. But there's a difference between potential energy and kinetic energy. This is not the message. You people, stop it. Can I go back to the sermon? Thank you, thank you. You people are pulling me in the direction I didn't plan to go. But let me just quickly finish it and I'll go back to my message. Can I finish it? There's a difference between potential energy and kinetic. Potential energy is stored up energy. Kinetic energy is energy in emotion. Don't marry potential. We're, we're breaking tables. He will no see. Write the vision and make it plain. And he that read it runneth thereby. In other words, even if I don't see what you have written, I can see how you are moving. It will give me an indication of what you have. Okay, let's go back to the sermon. Where was I, please? <laughs> Scarlet thread, helper. Maybe people pulled me in the direction I didn't mean to go. Anyways, so God says to the man and woman, he says, I have created everything. You can eat of every fruit in the garden. But, but, you see the tree of good and evil. Don't eat. And, and you see, even in that, it's a demonstration. You know, when we talk about tithe, tithing has been this big controversy in the church. You know, is it by law? Is it by grace? If we don't tithe, we die. If we don't tithe, are we in sin? Tithe this, tithe that. Understand that the principle of tithe came way before the law. It's not law. It's covenant understanding. 
Because what you see demonstrated, God gave them everything and he said, there's only one for me. I was talking to my sister, she said, you know, dad always used to say, you don't pay tithe, you give tithe. God gives you everything and says, one is mine. And the understanding behind that or the, the, the knowledge or the wisdom behind that is, when you take one from the many, if you bless one, you bless one man came to die. By one man, sin came into the world. By one man, do you see what I'm saying? When Abraham talked with, with, with Melchizedek and he said there was no conversation about law. By himself, there was a conversation. And by himself, he took a tithe. That's the first time you hear tithing in the Bible. And gave a tenth. There was no law. God says, I've given you everything. Now, this one thing, don't touch. And that was the tree of the knowledge of good and... Now, now here's the thing. The devil comes on the scene and the devil does what the devil does. And begins to twist. The devil has no power than the power of suggestion. You know, we have made the devil bigger than what he really is. Let me correct the misconception. The opposite of God is not the devil. The opposite of God is God. The devil is not God's nemesis. He no rich. He's not that powerful. The Bible says in the book of Job that God called the sons of men and the devil came too. Ah, calm down. He could not touch Job without permission. He said, eh, okay. The opposite of God is not the devil. The opposite of God is he said, when I looked all over, he searched high and low, and he could not find anyone greater than himself. So he swore, there are levels to this. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> Calm down. He swore by himself. And the devil comes and twists. It's the power of suggestion. He cannot do anything. If I tell you right now to slap yourself, and I keep shouting, slap yourself, slap yourself, slap yourself. The only way you slap yourself is if you take your own hand and slap yourself. That's what the devil does. Suggestion. He comes and says to the woman, did God really say that you should not eat of any fruit? That's not what God said. He didn't say you couldn't eat of any fruit. He said you can't eat of one fruit. And it was the fruit, it was the tree of good and evil. You know, the wisdom of God he created a utopia. I said this in, on Thursday showers. He created a system where man, he was created to dwell in the presence of God and to commune with God. That was the original design. And he created a system where there was everything he created. Remember the Bible says was good. So in this utopia in the garden was only the goodness of God. There was no need for evil. God created a system where man did not have any business encountering evil because they were always in the presence of goodness. And the devil comes on the scene to make the woman think that she is missing out on something. That's what the devil does. You know, the grass is always, they say, or so it seems, that it's always greener on the other side. 
until you get to the other side. Did God really say? And she says, no. God said, because of the tree of good and evil, that in the day we eat of it, what happens? We'll surely die. And the devil says, the Lord knows that you won't die. As a matter of fact, what he's trying to do is keep wisdom from you because in the day that you eat it, your eyes will be open. And he knows that if your eyes are open, you'll now be as wise as him. You know, do you know our problem? Sometimes we want to be as wise as God. We want to help him. What's your business with evil? Why do you want to why do you want your eyes to be open to see evil? You know, it's like a child when we have kids, you know. <laughs> my parents tried with me, Sha. I suffer my parents, Sha. I was a blessed child. E- my family members that I used to call me Jimbo because when you know I'm always here. There, everywhere. One time. Can I give you one small juice? Just small, just small. Okay, I'm looking at my time. You people slow down on the count on the clock. Relax. Huh? You know when you're kids, you always tell your children, don't touch, you know, it's like don't touch this iron or don't touch this iron or don't. But they want to touch. Because you don't want them to experience the pain of touching a hot iron. Don't put your hand in the socket. Or don't put, because you don't want... They have no business as a parent, as a good parent. You don't want them to experience pain. God creates a system and says, don't... Exp-. I know, I haven't told you my story. I, I know, I know. I'm coming to my story. I know, it's like, this is that story. Someone's praying to God, please remind Pastor Jay for that story. There was a time when, it's a random story, but how I, you know, tortured my parents. There was a time when my dad took me to the hospital, and injection was the worst thing you could give me, was death sentence then. How people believe that injection, if you just die? <laughs> Is it only me? <laughs> I'm looking at the front row, and I'm looking... <laughs> <laughs> she was she was someone in my in our estate that I always prayed never to go because when we were sick they carried us to our house and then she would bring out the injection I'll be looking at her I'll be begging her and then I'll be stiffening my you know when they say relax anyways anyways they're taking me to the hospital one time and I could hear people screaming in the office and I just knew that my father had brought me here to kill me. So I was planning and plotting my escape. There was a door. And I went out of the clinic. People were coming to open and close. I was looking at the inside, which was the execution chamber. I was looking at the outside, which was my redemption and salvation. And I was timing it. As soon as one person entered and the door opened, I took off. True story. I ran out of the hospital and I began to run for my life. I was running. Bless my father. He was chasing me. Jimmy, I was running. And I was running down the streets and I was running towards a major express. 
And I was running. My father was running and they could not catch me. I was running. And right as I was about to get to the express, there's a big, you know those big trailers was coming with speed. The devil is wicked, sir. You know, a lot of times, the things that the devil will throw at you is not because of today, it's because of your future. He knew what was... Anyways, I'm running, and as soon as I'm about to step, the trailer is coming. My father just shouts, Jimmy, stop! And I stop, and the trailer goes, whoosh. Bastard devil, we are here today. Nonsense devil. <laughs> And the end of the story, my father beats. <laughs> the ejection I was running for, I said, take me back, take me. <laughs> Can we continue? Uh-huh. Where are we? He said, don't touch this tree. In the day you eat it, you surely die. And we know how the story goes. The woman eats the apple, or not the apple, the fruit. And we know the story. Let's go to verse 18. We need to behave. We have just gone. Okay, verse 18. Can we read it? So we know that she ate, she eats the, the apple, and then the Bible says that they were, their eyes were open, they were naked, they were ashamed, and they said that the voice of the Lord came, and they could hear his, and they ran and hid from him because they were naked, and they were afraid. And then God began to call to them and says, Adam, where are you? And Adam says, Oh, we're hiding because we are naked. And God asked a very profound question. Who told you you were naked? See, up until this moment, they've been clothed in the glory and the presence of God. Because in the presence of God, there is no shame. So where is shame coming from? You see, sin causes separation. And when sin causes separation, there's fear, there's shame. There's judgment. Who told you you are naked? Have you eaten of the fruits that I commanded you not to eat? And then we know that the man says, it is the woman that you gave me. Sir, who did they give the instruction to? Sin did not come into the world until Adam ate the fruit. When Eve ate it, sin hadn't come yet. When Adam ate it, sin entered the world. And then God began to give them judgment. Verse 18. This, um, let's, let's look at um, verse 16. Sorry. Genesis 3 verse 16. He begins to give them the consequence for their action. And he says this. Unto the woman, he says, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception in sorrow. Thou shalt bring forth children. And thy desire shall be to thy husband. And he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam, he said... Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and eaten of the tree which have commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat all the days of your life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herbs of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread. Till thou return unto the ground, for out of it was thou taken, from dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt. Man. Tough consequences. Sin consequences. But the beautiful thing about this story is that's not how the story ends. 
Tell your neighbor, that's not how the story ends. For somebody, say this, is, and somebody needs to hear this right now. Whatever your story is, let me tell you real quickly. This is not how your story ends. Your story is just beginning. The Lord will show you great and mighty things this month in the name of Jesus. So that is not how the story ends. Because if we look at Genesis 3.21. Look at what it says. Unto Adam and also to his wife. Did the Lord God make what? Coats of skin and clothe them. And, and there in that simple verse that sometimes we read very hurriedly over, it shows the grace and the mercy of God. They ate what they were not supposed to eat. And because of what they did, they were exposed to shame and nakedness. And in spite of what they did, God takes skin and clothes their nakedness. Even knowing that his presence was enough to keep them clothed, because they felt like they were naked, he got skin to clothe them. Now let's take it a step further. We must understand that that shows the redemptive nature because for skin to be gotten, blood had to be shed. Are you with me? Galatians 3, 13 to 14 says this, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Be made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come unto the Gentiles through who? Through who? That we might receive the promise of spirit through faith. I read the curses out because there were curses given out. And Jesus comes and redeems us from the curse by becoming the curse. Matthew 27, 28 verse 29 says this. And they stripped him and they put on him. Somebody read that out. They put on him a scarlet robe. I'm going to touch on that later. And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it where? And a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him saying, Hail, King of Jews. You must understand that everything with God is intentional. The Bible says there was a curse meted out to Adam and Eve. And Christ became the curse. Remember when God was cursing man and he cursed the ground and he said from this moment on thorns and thistles will come out of the ground and in sweat it is through your sweat and the brow that you shall reap what it used to yield for you with ease before now you will toil. Look at our Lord and Savior when he was being crucified the scarlet robe representing the redemptive blood of Jesus. Then the very thorns that he cursed the ground, he takes the, the thorns and puts it on his head. Now there is therefore no condemnation for those 
So where you used to toil before, hear me prophetically. Where you used to walk hard to toil, Christ took the thorns, the thorns and put it on his head. So now that ground must yield for you. Somebody say the scarlet thread. Jesus puts the thorns on his head. And we understand that it was necessary when you go back to the garden for his for, for, for skin to be put around and bloodshed. Because remember what Hebrews says, it says in Hebrews 9 that that this the only way and almost all things by the law being purged with blood and without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sin so in the garden he sheds the blood let's jump to Genesis 22 again what I'm going to do is show you types and shadows in the Old Testament pointing to the redemptive power of Jesus. And I love the story. Let's look at Genesis 22. We know the story. God has spoken to Abraham. He's been waiting for years. Finally, his son has come. And look at what it says in verse 1. And he said, take now thy son. Thy only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. Now, we see God speaking to Abraham to offer up his son, his begotten son as a sacrifice the same way that God in John 3:16 Jesus is telling them he says for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten that whosoever believes on him shall not perish but have everlasting life God is asking a father to give up his son the same way God the father would give up his son. Look at verse 3 and 4. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and claimed the wood for the burnt offering and went, rose up and went unto the place which God had told them. Then on the third day... Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. You know what's interesting? God had told Abraham to sacrifice Isaac in the Mount of Moriah. And Bible scholars will tell you that Golgotha, where Jesus would be crucified, many scholars say that it is possibly the same space or distance that Isaac was being offered up. It's the same place Jesus was crucified. The Bible says that Abraham took his son and claved the wood for the burnt offering the same way the son of God will be sacrificed on a wooden cross. The Bible speaks about how he traveled and on the third day, 
Jesus was in the ground for how many days? Can you see? All pointing to Jesus. Look at verse 5. It says this. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Now that's a very deep statement. God had told Abraham, go sacrifice your son. And before he would go, he told his men, Isaac and I will go. And guess what? We'll return. Do you know what that means? That the God that gave him to me, after I kill him and sacrifice him, will bring him back. Because the promises of God is yes and amen. See, when God speaks a word, it cannot return to him void. So if death has to vomit you back to life, so the promise of God must come to pass, it will happen. In Thursday, we spoke about the audacity of God. The audacity of God tells a woman that's womb has been dead for years say yes in your 90s that's when you will bring forth a child the audacity of God there is a red sea in front of you Egyptians behind you tell my people to go forward the audacity of God you are in a wilderness and you have no food tell them I will command ravens to come for meat and manna will fall bread honey flaked cakes God just likes to show off sweet cakes will fall from the ground and when you fall you eat and everybody will eat and be full the audacity of God you are in a dry place and there's no water you will strike a rock and out of dryness out of a solid mass of matter that has no design Rock, sand, a fountain of water will come out. The audacity of God. Yes, you've been laid in a paralyzed state for 38 years. And he comes to the man and says to him, do you want to be made whole? The audacity of God. Abraham says to his people, Isaac and I will go. And guess what? We will come back. And you know what that speaks of? The father was talking about the resurrection of his son. 1 Corinthians 15 verses 3 to 4. He says this, listen to this. I passed on to you what was the most important that we have also been passed, that has also been passed on to me. Listen, Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture says, he was buried. He was buried. And he was raised from the dead when? On the third day, just as the scripture said. Let's jump to verse 12. But tell me this. Since we preach that Christ rose from the dead. Why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? 
For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is in vain. I'm reading NLT. Put NLT. It says this. And if Christ has not been raised, look what it says in NLT. Then all our preaching, NLT. I like it. Leave it. Leave it. It's fine. It's fine. Leave it. Amplified is fine. All our preaching is what? See, see, see. If Christ did not die and resurrect, let all of us go home. Why are we wasting our time? Either the blood works. See, either the blood works. Either the blood works. Or we are wasting our time. If the blood does not work, if Jesus did not die, if he did not resurrect, eh, then don't become, why are we wasting our time? But Abraham is speaking about Isaac saying he will go and come back the same way Jesus was put in the ground and after three days he resurrected. When Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. See, no one else can come to the Father. You can't get it, but through me. Everybody else that wants to come over the walls, they are thieves and robbers. Why do we follow Jesus? Because he's the only religious character that lived and died and rose again. And when we speak of my Jesus and your Jesus, we don't speak about him in past tense. He told Moses, tell them I, I am. I'm is always present. I am present in your present. I am present in your past. I am present in your future. Tell them, if they ask you who sent you, you will tell them, I, I am. Abraham says about Isaac that they will go and they will return. Speaking about resurrection. Look at the next verse. Look at verse 6. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife and they both of them went together. And it's beautiful because it is the same way that the cross will be placed on Jesus in the gospels as he was making his way to be crucified. The Bible talks about in Luke 23 that they led him away and then... Simeon, the Syrian, they came out of the country and they took the cross and they laid it on him. They might bear it after Jesus. Look at verse 78. It says this, going back to um, Genesis 7 verse 8 says, And Isaac spoke unto Abraham his father and said, My father says, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham says, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. So they went up together. 
And we know that the same way Abraham said God would um, present a lamb for himself. And we know that Isaac in this context was to be the offering. The Bible says in John 1 29, it says, when John said Jesus coming unto him, he said, behold the lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Revelation 3 verse 18 says this. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundations of the world. Now look at verse 11 to 13. It says this. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham... And he said, here I am. And he says, lay not thy hands on the lad, neither thou anything unto him. For now I know that you fearest God, seeing thou that thou hast not withheld thy son, thy only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold him, a ram was caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham took the ram and offered him as a burnt offering instead of the son. So what happened there was Isaac was supposed to be the offering and God created or or he provided a substitute. Now, Galatians 3.13 speaks of our own substitute. It says this, Christ has redeemed us. From the curse of the law being made a curse for us. For it is written, curse is everyone that hangs on the tree that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. Again, we see that Jesus became our substitute. Exodus 12. Let's jump to Exodus 12. We know the story. Children of Israel have been in slavery for 400 years. And now God is doing what he's doing with the Egyptians and he's asking them, particularly Pharaoh, to let his people go. And Pharaoh did not agree. As a matter of fact, the Bible says the Lord hardened his heart. Fear God. Please, fear God. See, the hearts of kings. You know, (laughs) he says Pharaoh, the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. So Pharaoh thought he was being stubborn. Not realizing he was a pawn in the hands of the Almighty. Who says when God has not said? It says, we know the story, Pharaoh will not let them go. Now, he commands the children of Israel, let's jump to Exodus 12 verse 5. On what he will do, because the tenth plague, we know what was about to happen. He says, this is what you should do. Take your lamb, your lamb shall be without blemish. In the middle of the first year, you shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. Now, 1 Peter 1, 18 verse 9 speaks of Jesus, our lamb that is without blemish. It says this, For as much as ye know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious, but with the precious what blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot look at Exodus look at verse 12 verse 13 this is what God is saying to them he says I will pass through the land of Egypt this night 
And I will smite all the firstborns in the land of Egypt, both man and beast and all of the gods of Egypt. I will execute, somebody say judgment. He says, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see, oh, come on somebody. And when I see, I will pass over you. Can we take 30 seconds to just thank God for the blood? When they see the blood, it must pass over. See, they are covenants and they are covenants. Once we come into the covenant of the precious blood of Jesus, it supersedes every other preceding covenant. You see, the blood speaks. You know why it speaks? So when anyone wants to come and talk, he will shout them down and say, Hey! I am speaking on his behalf. I was a lamb that was without blemish. I took the sin. I took the shame. And now there is therefore no condemnation. So no matter what you bring, generational causes, it does not matter. I don't care what your father's forefathers, father's uncle's auntie entered into. Where they sold you or your people into. I do not, it does not matter. I know a blood that speaks louder than the blood of Abel. When I see the blood, he says, I will pass over. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you. See, whether there is plague, it cannot destroy you. It says, when I smite the land of Egypt, we know that God decided to kill all the firstborns of Israel. And you know why? Because we have asked, why would God kill the firstborns? What did the firstborns have to, they were just firstborning. They were just innocent children. Have you, have you ever had that thought? They didn't, they were not part of this tussle between God and Pharaoh. But let me tell you why he did that. God smites or he would kill the firstborns of Egypt because Pharaoh was holding his firstborn, which was Israel. Listen to this, Exodus 4, 22 to 23. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Exodus 4, 22 to 23, thus saith the Lord, Israel is my even my firstborn. And I say unto thee, let my son go that he may see. It gets personal. See, you can try me, but don't touch my children. Let me tell you, I can take me. This is me personally. Me. I can take disrespect though. I can chop it. I can be patient. You can try me. I'll give you long rope. But when that rope will disappear, if you touch my children, 
That lion that they called me from birth will come out. I'll tell you a true story. I was in South Africa. We went to see lions. I love lions. I love it. They call me lion from birth. Lion of God. I love lions. So when I went to South Africa, I said I must see lions. So they took us into the forest, into the jungle, into the safari. You get the drift. And it was me and my friend of mine in an open jeep. You know those open jeeps? No cover. Just free. <laughs> Lion was, lions were here. We were here. If lion just does, whoosh, I won't be here. It was very close. You know when you are so enamored, but you are f- afraid at the same time? He said, wow, shh. Don't talk too much. Lest this lion just vex. So they took us to the male lions first. And the male lions, they just looked at us like we were inconsequential. Like you are not even a topic of conversation. Like you are so inconsequential that you don't even matter. You're not even worth me moving. So listen, they looked at us like this. I said, ah, you can't see. Just, hmm. I said, wow. I was very humbled. Then, they took us to the lionesses. There were like six of them. And they were sleeping. This is true life story. This is not film. We're not on sets. Real life. <laughs> took us to the lionesses. And the lionesses were sleeping. The same attitude. They looked at us like, We drove up to them, big truck. Just those that know their God. See, the lion knew that you know rich, you know fits, you don't matter. All the go 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 go. If I get up, Elisha told his servant, Lord, I pray that you open his eyes so that he will see that those who are with us are more than those. Elisha was like the lion, just like, ooh, chariot. He said, calm down. Relax. Lord, open his eyes. We were in consequential to the lionesses. They didn't even move. Then he said, oh, let's go see their children, the cubs. So we left the lionesses and we drove about two meters to the cubs. They were like five or six little teenagers were playing. And all of a sudden, it wasn't up to 30 seconds, he nudges me. He says, I think we have to leave. I say, why? I turn back and all those lionesses in formation they aligned themselves one, two, three perfect diagonal sights from where they were to where we were and they stood like this still and were looking at us like I dare you like just make a mistake and move mad Oh, we did not hear a twig break. We did not hear rustle or sound. I did not know that they they were sleeping when we left them. And when we got close, they just arose. 
Your God does not sleep or slumber. Oh, he that keepeth Israel does not sleep. Behold, he that keepeth Israel does not slumber, no. It looked like they were sleeping, but they were very attentive. Information, one, I said for me, one, two, three, and they were looking. Still, eyes set. Just like, do something. Blood of Jesus. I just said, yes, yes, let's be going. I said, it's not here that they will kill me inside forest by lion. I rebuke it. I'm not Daniel. <laughs> let's go. And then we're trying to turn very humbly, contrite of spirit. No sudden moves. We're trying to turn the jeep around. And we turn it around. Now, we have turned around to say, we have left your children. Now let's be going. The problem was the lions were in front. Waiting for us. Prayers I have not prayed. (laughs) I said, God, he didn't bring South Africa to kill me. You know that now that I finally reach Hollywood, help me. Let me shoot the movie first. <laughs> it's funny now. <laughs> they are laughing. I was it, and we start to move the jeep towards the lions, and the lions did not move. Ha! My guy turned off the jeep. Said, <laughs> brother. It seems like we're going to be here for a while. I said, what do you mean? He says, if they don't move, we cannot move. <laughs> Who? Uh, Those who know their God shall be strong. Because you know that's behind you. He says, see, I will never leave you or forsake you. I stick closer than a brother. When you have the backing, listen, listen. Let me give you context. Jesus was speaking to Pilate. And Pilate says to him, do you know I have the power to take your life right now? He says, oh, the power that you have is the one that I give you. And just so you are clear, if I wanted, I can call a legion of the armies. A legion is 6,000, just in case you do not know. A legion of armies, they are acts of angels that are waiting for me to just say a word. If I call them, they will come. Let me take it a step further. You don't have angels guarding you. You have the commander of the armies of the host of heaven. Behind you. My guy said to me, if they don't move, we cannot move. So it became prayer and request. Father, please. Now look at the lion in front now. Sorry. Have you seen what you are begging animal before? <laughs> Don't 
Don't be angry. Now only look and look. I don't even touch them. I just, please, move. Finally, one of the female lions looks and walks away. Turn on the car, turn on the car. We now move small again. We go to the second one. She looked at me dead in the eyes like, you for trial. I looked at her and said, please, I beg, forgive me. Just help me, help me, help me. Thank you, help me. She got up and she left. There was one more. There's always one. That one said, it's a lie. You came here, you came to see. You will see. I beg, I beg, and I beg. Then casually, after like 10 minutes of looking, still, like this, there's no roof. Oh. The windshield is low, low, low. I can see over. She cannot. She got up. <laughs> she opened her mouth. <laughs> hey, Jesus. Ah, God has been good to me. <laughs> she opened her mouth. Yeah, and yawned. And showed me her full set of teeth. (laughs) And licked her teeth. Closed them out and looked at me again. Then got up. Took one step towards the car. Another towards the car. My heart was in like. She now turned. Give me one last look. <laughs> ah, they walked away. God says, You are holding my firstborn. And I say, Let my son go so that he may serve me. If thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son. And even your firstborn. I will end here. It's like, I'm going to do part three. Wow. Isaiah 43 verse three to four says this. For I am the Lord thy God, the only one of Israel, thy savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom. Ethiopia and Sheba for thee. Since thou was precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable. Listen, and I have loved thee, therefore. I will give men for thee and people for thy life. You are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. If they bless you, they are blessed. But if they decide that they want to ensnare you and put the children, listen, those who are born in spirit, they are now heirs, they are now joint heirs with the father. That means that we are now all God's firstborns. Understand? If they decide that they want to ensnare you, God says very clearly, I have, 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 I
their life for yours. Really quickly, this is a good place to stop. The whole time we've been talking about the blood, the blood of Jesus, the one that redeems, the one that washes, the one that covers, the one that separates, the one that protects. Talking about Jesus becoming the curse. Come talking about Jesus becoming the substitute. He says, I stand before you and I lay before you life and death. Choose life. Choose life. Choose life. So that you may live. You see, the choice is yours. Thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that you were blessed. And if you enjoyed what you heard, please be sure to subscribe. And if you know a fellow lion that needs to join the tribe, please be sure. Send them this link. Share this episode. God bless you.